0: Worship the Lord.
1: The final word, the cross has the final word, sorrow may come in the darkest night, but the cross has the final word. The cross has the fine Process, the cross has the fire in the evil maker, a bit strongest fight with the cross has the fire Says the Father. In Psalm chapter 104, verse 31 through 33, may the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He looks on the earth and it trembles. He touches the hills and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have breath in We have only one life, and it soon will pass. And only what's done for Christ will last. Jesus, you can use me, Lord. Riches and houses. Cars and ants will all pass away, but my life will stand. Singing, Jesus, you can use me, Lord. For your
0: glory. For your glory.
1: We have only one life And it soon will pass And only what's done For Christ will last Jesus, you can use me, Lord Riches and houses Cars and lamps will all pass away, but my life will stand. Jesus, you can use me, Lord.
2: With you before we get started, Father, we are just so honored to be here today, God. We are in your house. What a great privilege, Lord, that you have given each one of us. And so, Father, we know that we are in your presence, but God, let us be reminded that we're in your presence, Father. Let me feel the powerful touch. Let us feel, God, your amazing Holy Spirit and move throughout this entire time together, impacting everyone's life God may your scripture just leap from the pages today God and really impact us God and allow us to grow to be disciplined and for your love to be shown to us and we love you we thank you in Christ's name church says amen amen Amen. awesome hey listen before we get into the message just a couple quick things we want to go over with you guys this listen this Wednesday is first Wednesday everybody say first Wednesday you get a free meal all right yes everybody likes free We want free, free is our favorite word, okay? And uh, we love that we get to provide that to you guys. It's drive-through, it's from five to six. Come up here, we'll give you this like, you know, container, take your meal, go home, eat it, then come right back, okay? Uh, Because then we have our Bible study, weekly Bible study, and we started our new uh, series on that called Tipping Point, The End Is Here. um, And that is by Pastor Jimmy Evans out of uh, Gateway Church. And um, it's, it's fantastic. Many of you were here this past Wednesday as we kicked it off. And I don't know about you, but man, I was I, obviously, I, I, you know, I'm teaching it, but I was blessed by it, okay? So we wanna invite you guys, come out, be a part of it. Hey, who else got a coffee cup today? Anybody <laughs> notice something? Yeah. yeah, all right. We opened the cafe back up, soft opening, right? Not quite like it usually is or was, but so grateful for our cafe workers. And jumping in and and getting that going. But we're going to have some uh, other things opening up very soon to us as well. Um, Getting back into uh, some of the different ministries that we were doing prior to, you know, stuff. All right. So but anyway, listen, we're going to get into our message today. Um, I told you guys, I think this is like week six or seven, um, that we've done random messages. Right. Normally I do a themed um, series. And what that looks like is something, you know, uh, a, a topic, you know, that I, I kind of gear all the messages towards and we look at it and then we move on to a different one after so many weeks. But I've just been impressed to really just, you know what, just be open and, and, and God, whatever it is you want to communicate, man, let's just, let's, let's talk about it. Let's, uh, let's learn about it in your word, experience it in life. And so today we're going to talk about this one. Don't be alone, right? I, I can't stand to be alone. Is anybody like that? Like. Seriously, I have issues over it. You know what I mean? Like every now and then I need my quiet moment. We all need that for about five minutes. And then I need somebody somewhere that I can either see or talk to. All right. That's how I am. That's how I'm geared. Okay, that is me. Do you know the Bible actually has a lot of messages, though, um, that are geared toward loneliness? Okay, being lonely. And this isn't necessarily about having no one around but more about, you know, we're not, you know, that we're feeling the pressure of life. You know, sometimes when you can have plenty of people all around you, but when you feel the pressure of life, guess what? You feel like you're all alone. You know, you feel like you're secluded when you're really not. You got all kinds of people everywhere. And uh, we're going to talk about this topic today of not being alone. You know, one of the first observations of man within Scripture wasn't just the merely fact that they, you know, sin entered into the world, but it was actually around solitude or loneliness. All right. Um, we don't get sin until like Genesis chapter four. But in Genesis chapter two, verse 18, this is what the Bible tells us. The Lord God said it is not good for man to be what? Alone. alone. Right. So God's saying it's not good for man to be alone. One of the first observations that the Bible addresses again, it's not sin, but it's solitude. It's being alone. It's being lonely. Now Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse eight, we're going to take a look here at the scripture. Understand, first of all, that Solomon had everything, lots of money, lots of relationships, lots of wives. That might've been a problem. I don't know, but here we go. Let's take a look here in that scripture. It says, there was a man all alone, He had neither son nor brother and there was no end to his toil. In other words, what? He was miserable. Why was he miserable? Because of loneliness. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. In other words, what? He wasn't satisfied with stuff. He wasn't satisfied with wealth. He wasn't satisfied with any of this. What he was understanding and realizing, the lack that he had in life was lack of relationship. So what we're gonna do for the next few moments is we're gonna look at some principles from the life of Christ himself. No better person than to learn from, Amen? amen? And in fact, we are going to look at what many would consider as being the last conversation that Jesus had. Now we do understand this. Jesus paid the sins for what? For all of mankind on the cross. And that day we call Good Friday. Okay, we understand that to be Good Friday. His disciples, he said to his disciples um, the evening before that we're going to celebrate the annual festival called the Passover. Now, you know what I love? Meals. Does anybody like food? Do you like meals? I remember growing up, it was a big deal in our home. Growing up, man, it still is a big deal in our home even today. But when church is over, lunchtime, we're sitting at a meal, all the family together, and we're all getting on each other's nerves, right? But we're hanging out, we're having a meal. Do you know, uh, as you observe within Scripture and you read through Scripture, you see a lot of Jesus' ministry was themed around food. Think about that. A lot of meals were being you know, a ministry were being done simply around meals. And uh, I, I just, I love that. All right. So I just got to point that out. But anyway, so here, here it is. And, and Jesus is going to have a conversation. He's instructing his disciples. He's like, look, we're going to celebrate Passover and and for you to understand what that means. It's a meal um, annually uh, that would remember the, the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. Uh, you know, the, the death angel was, Passing over, right, the homes that had the, the, the sacrifice um, over the doorpost, the thresholds of, of, the, of the door. And so then the death angel would pass over that. So the meal that was happening here um, and, and what they're celebrating is, is called the Passover. Now, understand this Jesus and, and his disciples are celebrating in this moment. The Gospel of John is very um, intriguing to me here in this. Little passage of Scripture that we're going to look at, this kind of event within church history and, and all of this stuff. Because if you look in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, okay, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you can look at that later, but um, you will notice that this passage that we're talking about today was only about a paragraph or two. That's it. That, that, that's all that was really expressed within this, this setting that we're going to talk about today. But when you look at at the passage of with the Gospel of John, you're actually seeing three to four paragraphs about what we're going to talk about today within this conversation, okay? So what what you have literally here, you have a conversation before the meal, you have a conversation that's happening during the meal, and then you have the after meal while they're going or while they're at the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, here's something to understand. Back in this time, um, if you entered and you were a guest into someone's home, here's what you would find as you came to the door. There usually would be like a chair or a stool of some sort and then a basin of water. And why was that there? Well, because the host would then, as the guests were coming in, would wash the feet of the guest. Okay. And that was, that was just customary. That's what they did then. I mean, think about that for a second. They didn't have the, the luxuries of the shoes that we wear today. All right. You know, their their, their shoes were obviously open. And could you imagine the, the dust, the grime, the dirt? Could you imagine accidentally stepping in a donkey's stuff? All right. All right. So what? There's perfectly good reason as to why, hey, we want to clean your feet here. All right. So this was customary. So here's what Jesus does in this moment. They're in this room. They're in this building and there is no host to be found. So Jesus takes it upon himself. He goes and he gets probably the chair or the stool, sets it near the door, gets a basin of water. The Bible says he takes off his outer garment. Then he wraps a towel around his waist. And as the disciples are coming in, Jesus begins to what? Wash their feet. And he's washing the disciples' feet. And listen, they were very, very uncomfortable. Can I, I mean, think about that for a moment. Imagine today going into your best friend's house or to a friend or somebody maybe you don't even know, just walking in, you know, you just met them for the first time, new relationship, and they get down and they're like, okay, I'm going to wash your feet. I don't even take my shoes off. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm one of them people. I don't know what in the world's going on in your home. I don't take it off, you know. And, and so here, here, you know, they're Jesus the one who is what and they're my a great teacher and he's he's the son of God and all of this stuff and and wow you want to wash our feet like this is making us very uncomfortable so Peter obviously Peter knowing who he is he's got something to say about this John chapter 13 verse 8 here's what he says he says no said Peter you shall never wash my feet first of all Who do you think you are telling Jesus what he is and what he is not going to do? Are you following me here? You know, in other words, like I've enjoyed I've enjoyed your teaching. You're my God. I love you. I don't want you to get. But watch this into this place of my life. Why? Because there's a lot of grime and dirt and nastiness there. (laughs) Here we go. Buckle up. Listen, theoretically here, this passage is a great parallel for our lives because there's some areas within our lives that we are just simply not comfortable with Jesus Christ coming in because we don't want to expose our grime and nastiness and dirtiness. Why? Because one of two things, either we're extremely embarrassed over it or number two, you're really enjoying that part of your lifestyle still. And you don't want it to be interrupted. And so what do we do? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm saved. I love Jesus. I'm, I'm serving him. But there, you know what, Lord? There's just a couple areas that I'm still enjoying about my life that I know if I expose that to you, as if he doesn't know anyway. But if in my mind I'm exposing it to you, then, oh, you might change that. And now I might feel a little uncomfortable about that. Well, so Peter is looking at Jesus in that moment and goes, you're not going to wash my grime. I don't want you to wash my feet in this moment. Have you ever had to have a hard conversation with someone? A hard conversation where you had to pull something out of them? Who in here is a fixer? I'm a fixer. Like, if I know that you are upset with me, guess what I'm going to do? Hey, how you doing? What's going on? We got, I heard this. That's what, that's, that's me. I can't help it. That's how, that's, that's my makeup. I, I, I'm a fixer, right? And so if you ever had the hard conversation where you had to ask some really difficult questions sometimes, and so you're talking with the individual and here's the response you don't get. This is, if you want to get on a fixer's nerves, here's all you got to say. I don't know. Are you mad? I don't know. Well, what are you mad at? I don't know. Well, what's going on? I don't know. Well, how can we resolve it? I don't know. In this moment, this is kind of what Peter's doing a little bit here. He's like, look, Jesus, I, I, I'm just not simply, I, I'm very uncomfortable with you getting into the what? Would be considered the grime of my life. So Jesus responds to Peter, really to the entire group. And this is what he says in 13.8. Jesus answered, unless... Meaning, you know what, we need what? We need to access this part of our lives, uh, the the dark and dirty. But Jesus is saying, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. In other words, you are missing a part of me that you really need in your life. How many of us have a part of Jesus in our lives, but simply not all of him? We want the salvation part, but yet we are not. Willing to disclose the areas that are the deepest and the darkest within our lives because of the simple fact we have become comfortable and we learn how to manage through it on our own. But the moment we let Jesus in, we know that it could bring some disruption. Can I help you out? That is good disruption. Understand that the disruption that the Holy Spirit brings into our lives to lead us. And to look, we say, Lord, I want to be hungry for you. I want to hunger for your and thirst for your righteousness. Lead my path. Lord, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. But yet, wait a minute. But don't touch the dark, the grime and the dirty. So. As we go through this conversation, you're going to see and chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, that Jesus is teaching. And all throughout these conversations that are happening, he's pulling out some great themes about relationships that you and I need. You see, last week, what we talked about, we talked about one. What does that mean? We need to be one in spirit because we have one father, there's one son, and there's one Holy Spirit. And we need to be one together, not broken up, not not live a life of resentment and jealousy and unforgiveness. But the exact opposite. And so then it flows when we're doing that, we're living that, our life in the spirit of one. Now, now we need to understand that relationship in the body of Christ is extremely important for all of us. So one of the first things that Jesus points out is this. I need you to care for me. I need you to care for me. You need me to care for you. There are things in your life that you simply cannot navigate and get through life all by yourself in. And it takes people. It takes relationship. Let's take a look. John 13, 12 through 15 says, When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place he says, do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. In other words, you need to care for others as I am caring for you. Come on. If there's something that the body of Christ really needs to hear right now in this season of life is that we must care for one another as Christ has cared for us. It's not about political divide and racial divide. It's about us unifying together as the body of Christ. And we must do this all by what? Caring for one another. See, we are at what? A New, a New Testament church. A church who is serving in a pandemic. And I believe that the church is doing an amazing job right now in serving in this pandemic. We're seeing more and more people come to Christ. More and more people develop within relationship. Why? Because people are showing that they care, that the body of Christ is being the caregiver in the society that we're living in. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 10 says this way. Two people are better off than what? One, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, which this will happen, you will have those moments where you can't handle it all on your own. But if one, person's fall, one person falls, the other can reach out and help. That is what must happen. We must reach out and help one another. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Do you know when others fall alone? That's when the church is not doing its part. Romans 12 and 15 says it this way. Rejoice with those who rejoice, but what? Mourn with those who mourn. Again, we do not need to do life alone, but together. 1 Corinthians 12 and 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, then every part rejoices in it. Listen, all of us must be involved in taking care of all of us. Let me repeat that. All of us must be involved in taking care of all of us. Jesus, within those words, he said, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And what is one of those care for me? Amen. Now we move on to chapter 14 and we get this one. I need you to encourage me. Not only do we need each other to care, but we must be an encouragement for each other. John 14 one says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. What is Jesus saying here? Stop being discouraged. You being discouraged is a position that you are taking mentally on your own well-being. Jesus is saying, stop being discouraged, but trust me. Trust in God. And if you're trusting in him, then you're also trusting in me. Look at everything that's happening around us in our world today. The uncertainty, the civil unrest that we have. Everything that you're seeing, everything that you're hearing, your conversations. Where are they going? Jesus says, trust in God and trust in me. We're seeing and experiencing a great deal right now. I would almost almost say that we're experiencing more than possibly generations before us have ever experienced with much of the turmoil that we see within the world that we live in. But at the same time, we're living in one of the greatest seasons that this world has ever seen. Why? Because we're seeing prophecy fulfilled that has been spoken. So Jesus follows up from this statement and he begins to talk about heaven with the disciples. That's an excellent follow-up. I love the way Paul says it this way. What, we're mere, what, aliens of this world, right? Our citizenship is not here, but it's an eternal kingdom. There's nothing more encouraging than to know what my final destination is. And that is with the father himself. And Jesus goes, look, if, if I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I'm going to prepare a place for you, guess what? I'm coming back for you. Yeah. Encouragement, what does it do? It lifts up our spirit. Hebrews 3 and 13 says, but encourage one another, where? Daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. All right, here we go. Third thing. I need you to partner with me, care for me, encourage me. But now I need people to partner up with me. Let's do something that matters. Do you know what Jesus uh, instructed his disciples to the Great Commission to go out throughout all this world and to simply make a difference by what? Spreading the gospel message of Jesus Christ. You see, one is too small. It's not a significant number to achieve significance. But when I look around at our different ministries here at our church, as we have began to reopen, I don't see any one ministry opening up with one person. I see each and every ministry opening up with teams of people. And these teams are resulting in great success where people are being ministered to impacted we're seeing salvation take place and that for as a pastor is greatly encouraging and it should be greatly encouraging for you and I and so when we partner together as the body of Christ it's not necessarily what I can get out of it it's what others can get from it and what is that salvation the greatest gift that any of us you or I have ever experienced John 15 verses 4 through 5 read this way Remain in me and I will remain in you No branch can bear fruit In other words no branch can be productive by itself It must remain in the vine Neither can you bear fruit unless what you remain In me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is communicating here that if you choose to do life on your own, you will have nothing. We need Jesus, we need each other to make the difference in this world. Do you know that we are called to be different makers? Difference makers to have significance in our lives. We are not called to just be a consumer of the gospel message. But we're called to consume it and then what? Share it and make a difference. So listen, we can't be alone. Don't be alone in this relationship With Jesus Christ. Now we do know this. We're not alone because we have him. But he also calls us to have relationship with one another. How can we have relationship when we have unforgiveness? Resentment. Jealousy. We can't. We have to get to a state where we're saying, look, we understand that we have one enemy. Who is the father of all lives. When he speaks lies, the Bible says he speaks his native language. That he is what? To steal and to kill and to destroy. And there's nothing more than he would love other than to destroy your relationship with Christ is to destroy your relationship with one another. Because the moment he's able to get in there, resentment, deceit, and lies come in. And what happens? Separation. Do you want a healthy relationship with Christ? Then have healthy relationships. If you want a healthy relationship with Christ, then you must have healthy relationships. Now, if you want to have healthy relationships, then you need to have a healthy relationship with Christ. Are you seeing where the two work hand in hand together? Now listen, Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. In other words, together we can accomplish a great deal. We can accomplish much more than we could ever do on our own. Um, Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 says it this way. For we, notice it doesn't say I. It says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us, again, not you, but what, us, to do. Listen, a few weeks ago, we, um, here as the church, we, we made a, an announcement that our initiative uh, for missions that we're doing. And, and so grateful for what we're moving forward in our mission work and what we're giving and we've, we've, um, we've, we've um, stepped up to and what we're going to do each and every month to give to mission works. But Another area that we have also jumped into is this. We want to provide even greater support and service to our community. We have a lot of people around here who have a lot of needs. And we feel that God has called us to get involved and to help them within those needs. needs. But we can't do it alone. Not any one person can accomplish this. Because as I look in this room, I see a great, great abilities, great talents, great giftings. And if we are all coming together, not being alone, but being as the body of Christ, can you imagine what we can accomplish? You know, the early church was the greatest example of this. The Bible says that as they saw the need, what did they do? They sold their belongings. Why? So they can meet the needs of others. And they didn't do it resentfully. They didn't do it ho-hum about it. But they rejoiced as they did it. And what did the Bible say? Added to the number of the church daily but it didn't stop there as they're doing it the bible also says that they begin to rejoice and to pray and to dance and to lift their arms and to wave in glory of what the lord has done as they're making their way to the temple are you following me are you following me here we cannot do this thing called life of our own on our own if we do well we will not be significant we will not be difference makers we will not bring change But when we partner together, it's amazing what all happens. All right, let's move on. Chapter 16. Here's what we need. Jesus is pointing out this uh, for our lives. I need you to protect me. In other words, help me when I am vulnerable. Do you realize you can only see so much in front of you, right? Think about this for a second. I'm standing here. I I have a peripheral vision and I can see forward. But you know what I cannot see? anything behind me, I do not know what's going on back there. So Jesus is saying here, make sure you have people around you who will protect you. John chapter 16 verse one says, all this I have told you so that you will not go astray. Now in the Greek, the word astray is actually defined as a scandal. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm trying to keep your life from being a scandal. Thank you, Lord. I've had plenty of moments where I think it is a scandal. You know, Um, Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse 12 points it out this way for us. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Meaning what? I I need people behind me, right? I need somebody behind me seeing what I can't see. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. We need one another. The moment you think, I don't need a one, and I'll just, I'll, I will navigate through this life on my own, is the moment you begin to, to fall away, deflate. We need people in our lives who are going to help us, who will see and have concern over us. And listen, here's a tough one that will even at times ask the hard questions. The hard questions. Um, The father of the Methodist church, John Wesley, he came up with some questions that he would ask his church members. And uh, through time, some of them have somewhat changed um, through different pastors and and, and different people. But I have seven of them here that I kind of want to read to you. Some hard questions. Watch this. Have you been in a compromising situation this week? Have any of your financial dealings lacked integrity? I heard a, mm, on that one. <laughs> that hurts when you talk about people's money, right? Here you go. Have you viewed any sexually explicit material? Have you spent quality time in the Bible studying and praying? Have you given priority to your family? Have you fulfilled the mandates of your calling? Have you just lied to yourself? Think about it. Have you just lied to yourself? Listen, if we are the only one who knows the secrets of our lives, we are in trouble. That doesn't mean simply that we have to tell everybody But there must be a sense of accountability in our lives. We have to have that. Because if you're accountable unto yourself of what you're going through in life, you will compromise and you will fail. Lastly, chapter 17, Jesus takes some of his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. He teaches them this, pray for me. He asks his disciples to watch for him. And of course, what do they do? Watch and pray with him. And what, what do they do? Well, they fall asleep. Three different occasions, he comes back. And where are they? They are asleep. Jesus is in the pressure cooker moment, feeling the stress of what is to be. So much so that the Bible tells us that as he begins to pray, he's sweating. And he's what? Drops of blood are coming from his forehead. John chapter 17, verses 1 and 9 read this way. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and he prayed. And then verse 9, he goes, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those who have given, for those you have given me. Jesus is saying here that If I knew the disciples are covered, then they will cover the world with my message. So if we are a healthy church, and if we are in a healthy spot within our relationship with Christ, then you and I will and can make a difference within the world that we live. Ephesians chapter six, verse 18 says, pray, why? Because this is essential for us. Pray in the spirit at all times. And on every occasion, stay alert and persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. What does that mean? How is that defined? Cover one another in prayer. Why? Because we need each other. With all these things that we can do, we have vulnerable areas of our lives. Many of us are carrying weights of great strength in our lives. Many of us have areas within our lives that we have great weakness. Think of Moses for a moment. Israel's within their first battle. And as you read the story that is taking place here, as Moses is watching the battle take place, the Bible says that his arms are lifted. The entire time, that his arms are lifted They're victory they're being victorious what are they doing they are winning the battle but as he would get tired and he would begin to lower his arms what would happen they would begin to lose the battle so you have this taking place the battle is right before them And you have Aaron and her within the scripture. And what did they do? They go and they get these boulders and they put them on either side of Moses. And again, as long as his arms are up, what? He's been victorious. But the moment his arms go down, they begin to lose the battle. So they recognize that Moses needs them. And so they step in And they keep his hands upright, and the Bible says what? They won the battle. Why is that important? What what is what is the point behind that? (laughs) Because some of you are tired. You are worn out in life right now. I don't even have to see it on your face. I can see it in your social media. I can see it in your demeanor. And this is why it's so important that we don't be alone so that we have one another. Why? Keeping our hands lifted, lifting our eyes to the Lord, staying what one in spirit with God, the father and God, the son and God, the Holy spirit. Would you stand with me this morning? You and I, we need each other. But more importantly, we need Jesus Christ. And you could be here today and you don't know who this Jesus is. Or you're watching us on our stream or listening to us on the radio. And maybe you've never made this commitment to Jesus. You know, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone anyone, anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will. I will what? I will come to him. Every about every eye closed this morning, maybe you've never made this commitment before to Jesus. The Bible says he's knocking at the door of your heart. And it's my hope this morning that if you're here and you're watching us online or listening to us on the radio, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that today all of that changes. Jesus came. He lived his life. He did his ministry that the Father had called him to do. He fulfilled the prophecies of his coming. Fulfill the prophecies of his death His burial His resurrection For God so loved the world That he gave His only begotten son That whosoever believes in him Shall not perish But have everlasting life And that life only comes Because of you making a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And if that is you today, I want you to say this prayer with me. In fact, I want us as a church to say this prayer with me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, today, I acknowledge that you died on that cross for my sins, paying a debt that I could never pay. I ask you to forgive me and to save me. I declare that you are God and that Jesus, you are Lord. I believe that you died, that you were buried, and that you rose again. And today, I put my faith and my belief in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? Amen. So here we are, and we understand that we can't be alone. We understand that I need people to protect us, right? We need people to pray for us, love us, encourage us, lead us in life, partner with us so much. Don't allow yourself to be cut off from relationships in the body of Christ because you need them. We need one another. We are victorious with one another. We are difference makers with one another. We accomplish more with one another. Let's stay with one another. Amen. Can I pray with you today? Father, we love you. I thank you, God, for every person. Our first service, our second service, our online community, those listening on the radio. Lord, you have given us an awesome responsibility to communicate your gospel message. A message that is full of hope, which is certainty of you, Jesus Christ. A love that is unconditional. And for that, we come before you and say, Lord, we love you and we praise your holy name. For you are a holy God. You are the one true God. There is none above you and there will never be any before you. So God, for every person, touch our lives. Help us to to understand, Lord, that we need to be one together, that we need not to be alone and we need to be in relationship with you and with one another. Continue to equip us, Father, through your message and through your word, leading us in righteousness, leading us in holy living, Father. Lord, we love you. And as the psalmist said, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus name we pray. And the church says, Amen. amen, amen. We love you guys. Have a great week.